0: Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. So, we are back with the Women's Football Podcast, and this week I am joined by Give Me Sport Women's Ollie Roberts. How's things, Ollie?
1: Yeah good thanks, thanks for having me back on It's been been a while
0: I know, it's been a minute hasn't it And we are also joined by film makeup for 3 Media, AJ Palgray How are things AJ?
2: Hiya, thanks for having me again Angelina Like Holly said it's been a while since I've been on So just happy to be back
0: Yes, definitely. And there is lots for us to discuss. Let's jump right into it. Um, we spoke about the Olympics on the podcast last week. Obviously, we're going to speak about that final and the bronze medal game. Um, Canada, of course, did take home the gold medal as Sweden lost out in a penalty shootout. AJ, what did you make of the game? And were Canada the worthy winners for you?
2: I mean, ultimately, there were the win- there were the deserved winners uh winning through penalty shootout. But I feel like uh Sweden will be the very disappointed that it wasn't able to win the game um in regular time. Um they seem to present the most uh clear cut opportunities I should say. Um and I feel like as Canada has shown in the Olympics, they only scored six goals in uh The tournament and managed to win, so I feel like Sweden will definitely feel hard done by not getting the gold medal in this final.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think they. Yeah, I mean, both such really good teams in Sweden have been so impressive. So yeah, I mean, you can understand it. I mean, Oli, the game went to extra time after Canada's Jesse Fleming did equalize from the penalty spot. For you did the ref get it right because i know there was a few process at first um but also how important has fleming been for canada during this tournament
1: yeah for me personally it, it was a penalty uh i mean i agree with aj i think uh, if you look at the game as a whole sweden probably deserved to win it and will feel quite, quite hard done by but in terms of the penalty itself i don't think they can have any complaints i think it was was the, the centre-back, uh, Illestat, got, got none of the ball. So, um yeah, a clear penalty for me. And in terms of Jessie Fleming, as you just said, I mean, she's been crucial all tournament. Um, I was looking up her statistics uh, just before this, and she's got 90 caps now, and she's still only 23 years old. So, um she's a massive, massive part of that team. And obviously, she hasn't featured all that much for Chelsea, but there's just some players that seem to play better for their country than they they do for the club and um i think fleming has definitely proven to be one of those at the moment and obviously she held her nerve with uh, the penalties both in the semi-final and the final and uh, as we all saw in the in the shootout we know how difficult they are to score
0: most definitely. I have seen so many penalty shootouts across men and women's football over the last few months. I can't <laughs> take any more. <laughs> um, I mean, for Sweden, AJ, um, as as we've said, you know, a brilliant team that will be feeling hard done by. Who for you was their standout player across the tournament?
2: Um, my standout is uh, recently, uh, recently signed for Barcelona. It's uh, Frida Lina. Uh, Rolfo, um, I feel like um, Barcelona fans would be very excited to see that she signed for them from Wolfsburg, if I'm correct. Um, She stood out a lot in the Olympics for me personally, Uh, just the way she plays the game, very confident on the ball. Um, Her stats looked really good as well. She had three goals and two assists, and her dribbles out of 24. She had a 66.7 success rate as well. Um, just a really good player, looks very tidy and um, that was definitely the player for me um, in the Sweden team who stood out the most
0: Yeah, definitely a very impressive player I agree with you on that one Um, Oli, you just uh, touched a a bit on penalties Um, when it came to the shootout seven of the 12 penalties were either missed or saved now listen, no way would I have the guts to step up And take a penalty. So I cannot criticise anybody. Um, But, you know, some of them weren't the best. But, you know, what did you make of the shootout? And do you think that perhaps nerves maybe got the better of some players? Because, you know, it is a massive, massive thing to have to do.
1: Oh, yeah. I think nerves 100% got the better of some of them. I think that ultimately every single player that took a penalty in that shootout have the capability of scoring them on their day but when it's such a magic final you know strange things do happen I mean I don't really want to touch on it but obviously we saw in, in the men's Euro final a few weeks ago just how the pressure got to England and it, it was the same here uh, but at the same time even though there were a couple of dodgy penalties in there I think you do have to credit both keepers I thought both of them were outstanding um and and yeah, ultimately, as you said, I think nerves to get the better of the players, but uh, yeah, credit has to go to both keepers.
0: Definitely, I, I agree. I always feel um, that when you look at penalty shootouts and say, you look at those stats and think, oh God, well, those were missed or saved. It's like, hang on, some were saved. The goalkeepers actually did the job. Can we give them a bit of respect? I always do think that. Um Again, touching on Sweden now, um, looking at, you know, how well they've done over the last few Olympics, really. And then, obviously, in the Euros in 2017, they did get knocked out by the Netherlands in the quarterfinals. But then, you know, you look at how well they did in the World Cup, coming third in 2019. AJ, are Sweden serious contenders for the Euros next year?
2: In one word, yes. Yes. Um, I feel like it should be... um on everyone's uh, notice boards that Sweden are serious contenders for the Euros. It's less than a year away now. Um, on paper as well, considering the results they had um, in the Olympics just gone, um, it's very naive to believe that they won't be in and around there. If I was Sweden, I'd be looking at least at least the semi-finals, if not the final. Um, but obviously a lot can change between now and then. Some teams, you can have a rising star that takes a team from the quarterfinals to the semifinals and beyond or stuff like that so um we can never say for sure that they're gonna make it um the to the finals but i feel like that's what they should be aiming for
0: yeah i mean you look at how well they have done um against you know some some tough competition so i i would not expect anything less for them i do have quite as, as a neutral i have quite high hopes for them in the euros next year um Meanwhile for Canada, you know, I feel like they should really give them some great motivation when it comes to major competitions. As back in 2018, they did come runners up in I'll probably say this wrong, but the however you say it, women's championships far too many letters in that. Um, you know, that tournament is coming around again next year. Um Ollie, do you think that this Canada side could seriously challenge the US in the future in these these types of competitions? Or do you think maybe it's just a bit of a blip for Team USA and they'll be back stronger than ever?
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, what I will say is I think it's definitely more than a blip for the USA. But uh, I think we're probably going to touch on that a bit more later. So um, I'll leave it for now and uh, I'll stick with Canada because... Yeah, even though um, I have a lot of things to say on the US, I do think that Canada can challenge, and they obviously proved that uh, in the Olympics, just gone. I think one of the things with this team is they're just good at tournament football. When it comes to a, a major tournament, a lot of the time we don't necessarily see the best team overall winning the competition. You've just got to be... Solid. I mean, for example, Canada didn't even win their group. Uh, And while we saw sort of Team GB play well in periods, there was a lot of good attack and play going on from them. Um their defense was obviously very weak and we saw that against Australia and on the flip side Canada were almost the complete opposite. They didn't score that many goals in the tournament but they had such a solid defense. I mean, I was very very impressed with um, both of the center backs, uh, Kadish Rupcannon and going to butcher this pronunciation, but Vanessa G- uh, I thought they were both rock solid. Uh, Gillers, especially, I thought was one of the, the players of the tournament. So, um, yeah, I think that, I mean, if they can sort of keep the core of that team uh, leading into the World Cup and sort of keep that defence solid, then they've got every chance of doing very well.
0: Yes. And, and I mean, again, as a neutral, I've kind of, I mean yeah as as a neutral I think I've definitely got my my fingers crossed to see more of that And I think um, not in a we spoke about this on the podcast last week and it's not in a disrespectful way to the US um, but I think the US as a nation anyway because they're just so good at everything especially in in an Olympics they've got so much confidence that I think some people can misinterpret for a little bit of cockiness sometimes and I think you see that a lot with the women's team and I think for some people to see them maybe knocked off their perch shall we say um, I think some people not you know like overjoyed about it but I think it signifies you know quite a bit of a shift with uh, women's football which I think is is nice to see like I say if if you're not obviously American Um, but you know we'll touch on the USA now Um, we knew that they would go into that bronze medal game with some tenacity Um, I don't think anyone was expecting a seven goal thriller against Australia I wasn't anyway Um, but yeah an absolutely brilliant game I mean AJ it was great for the neutrals wasn't it
2: yeah, I mean, seven goals in a game where the Team USA is involved is usually very one-sided. So, I can imagine for the neutrals how excited they were to see an intense game between two great sides. But it was evenly matched as well. Um, so, yeah, it was a great advertisement for women's football.
0: It really was. I mean, I could not keep my eyes off the screen, to be honest. I mean, Ollie, did did you have a favourite goal out of the seven?
1: Oh, from that game. Uh, I mean, it's hard to look past that, that Rapino goal, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I saw a statistic that she's the only person to ever score in a major tournament from a corner. And she's now done it twice. So uh, I think, I mean, it was just it was pretty incredible, wasn't it? And um, I think she clearly meant it at the same time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's hard to look past that one.
0: Yeah, I'd probably agree with you on that one. It was it was pretty special. Um, now, of course, in their last meeting between uh, the US and Australia, it was nil 0 so it was nice to see them really deliver an entertaining game. AJ, who was your player of the match?
2: I mean, just as Ollie touched on with um, Rapino and her uh, goal, I think it's... Hard to look past the two veterans on the side, uh, Rapino and Carly Lloyd. They both scored two goals each. Um, they did receive some criticism in certain spaces about maybe it was time for them to retire or maybe it was time to step back from the team. Um, but I feel like they've done a lot to show against that. Um, so one of those two, I can't argue against either one, whoever you decide to pick. But yeah, definitely one of them too, for sure.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you on that one I think it is. It it's a it's a close call. Um now Ollie, you can get it all off your chest now whatever you've got to say about uh the USA. I mean touching on that, you know, Rapino and and Lloyd. Do you think the fact that they were the goal scorers has maybe silenced criticism that perhaps it's time for some of the veterans in this team to take a step back or are you firmly on the veterans out train?
1: I'm definitely on the veterans out, train. And I yeah. think that I, I do agree with AJ. I think they were probably the two best players on the pitch in that bronze medal match. But I think all that match really did was sort of paper over the cracks that were clearly there throughout the whole tournament. Because if you think about it, they obviously played well in that game. But throughout the rest of the tournament, they're pretty underwhelming. I think it's fair to say. Uh, obviously, both. Uh, and I mean, it's not just Rapino and Lloyd. There's a few more in there. But they're all great players in their own right. They're all legends of the game. But I feel like the US could have still won that tournament if they'd actually picked the right team in the first place. I think it was a case of, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, uh, They obviously are world champions and sort of went into the tournament with virtually the same squad. But then, obviously, suffered that defeat to Sweden. And people realised, actually, you know, they're not as strong as... um, Many people thought they were. There were a lot of players, I think, that should have got more game time that didn't. Um, again, forgive me on that pronunciation, but Katerina Macario, I think, had been in outstanding form Uh, near the end of the season, leading up to that tournament. And I think she definitely deserved more game time. And uh, yeah, ultimately, I mean, I'll try not to to ramble on a bit more, but I think that these legends should be remembered as phenomenal players. But uh, I think it's time for sort of the new guard to come through now.
0: Yeah, I understand what you mean. I think it's good to have a, you know, a balance of that experience. But, you know, do they really want to? I mean, it's it's great to be able to rely on on older players that are still, you know, still very good. Um, but yeah, I think you have to start preparing for life after some of these players, and I think it would be good to maybe see the US starting to take that, you know, the the future a little bit more seriously. But I mean, overall, apart from obviously, for for me personally, anyway, Team GB. Was very sad, but overall I think it was a great Olympic tournament. Um and I was just wondering if I can have from you both. Um we'll start with you, AJ, favorite game. We'll go with that first. <laughs> what was your favourite Okay.
2: Game? My favorite game is probably gonna be a surprise. My favourite game was actually Zambia and Netherlands.
0: I was gonna say that game. <laughs> that was, oh,
2: okay, cool. That's the one I was gonna say. Oh, oh we've wow. all got okay, the so same <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, at least we've, we've all got the same game. I mean, it was a very entertaining game. Um, and even though, you know, things maybe didn't work out the best for Zambia, I still really enjoyed watching them play. Um, Ollie, player of the tournament, who are you going with?
1: Oh, there's a few contenders. Uh, I think, for me, it's hard to look past Miedema. I mean, she scored about 100 goals, so yeah. it's hard <laughs> not to give it to her. Um I mean, she was just phenomenal. I thought, I mean, at the start of the tournament, Netherlands were actually my pick to win it. Um, And I was quite surprised to see them go out as early as they did. But Mida was exceptional. And uh, the other player who I was unbelievably impressed with and um, I think she would have been in contention uh, had GB got further was Kim Little. Um, I think she added so much to that GB team and they looked so much better as an eleven, than the England team did. And I think that was largely in part to the fact that she was controlling the midfield. Um, some of the skills that she showed off in that first game as well were just exceptional. So uh, for me, I'm going to go with Miedema. Uh, but yeah, was very impressed with Kim Little as well. What about
0: you, AJ?
2: Um, like Ollie, I'm going to mention too, my actual player of the tournament has to be Barbara Brenda. Following on from the Zambia um, conversation we had. Um, And second, um, I know she's a a favourite of my friend of mine, um, Lauren Hemp, as well. Um, I expect her to have a big season at Manchester City this season. Um, But yes, definitely one of the bright sparks in the England team moving forward.
0: Yes, definitely. Uh, All very good options. I was debating this one and it's, oh, I don't know, it's a hard one because there are so many. I was originally going with Miedema just because, like you say, she scored a crazy amount of goals. Um, but I think it was great to see um, Sam Kerr have, you know, such a good tournament. Um, and yeah, I was just, I really enjoyed watching I always enjoy watching her, even as a Man United fan, as much as it kills me. <laughs> so yeah, that was um, probably my player. Um Do we have a favourite goal, AJ?
2: Um, My favourite goal comes from the USA-Australia game. I know Ali actually mentioned um, Megan Megan Rapino's goal from the corner. Um, I actually forgot about that goal when I was making my (laughs) choice. Um, So that would have to go second. But um, Emily Gilnick's Australia's third goal um, to make it 4-3. That was a very good goal from outside the box. Um, almost hit the top corner as well. So,
1: yeah, that was my goal of the tournament.
0: What about you, LA?
1: Yes, yeah, so I, think, I think the best goal that was scored was uh, the Rapinoe corner goal, obviously. But if you're asking for my favourite goal and the one that I celebrated the most, it was Ellen White's header against Australia that Ooh. put GB 2-1 up. Because, uh, obviously, I thought at that point that uh, we'd done enough and we were sailing through to the semi-finals and it wasn't meant to be. But uh, at the time... I was celebrating that goal a lot, so I'll have to go with that one as my as my favourite goal.
0: Yes, I say oh, all good goals. I'd probably go with the Rapino goal, but there were quite a few good ones. That is a tough one. Um, and finally, uh, go back to you, Ollie. Um, was there a player or a team that maybe surprised you the most during the tournament?
1: Uh, yeah, so I think AJ's already said this person as their player of the tournament, which I think is completely fair enough. Uh, I think they were absolutely outstanding, but uh, Barbara Bander for me, uh, a player that I'll be honest, I hadn't heard of her leading into the tournament and she was just a, a breath of fresh air to watch. Uh, just so, so good, um, really stood out for Zambia and I think it's only a matter of time now until she gets picked up by a, a bigger club. I mean, hopefully... Hopefully we'll see her in the WSL at some point. But, uh, yeah, no, it's got to be Banda for me. And uh, just in terms of a team that surprised me, uh, I mean, it it has to be Canada. I mean, just purely in the sense that I really didn't think they were going to win it. So, um, yeah, uh, Banda and Canada for me.
2: What
0: about you, AJ?
2: Ollie's just stolen my answer. Canada was my (laughs) surprise of the the tournament. Just from the simple perspective of scoring six goals um, and winning a gold medal is pretty unheard of, Um, especially seeing as one of those goals was a penalty in the um, USA, sorry, in the final as well. So it's hard to put it past any other surprise other than Canada um, scoring. And it's the fashion that they managed to win as well, not just the fact that they did win.
0: Yeah, I, you know what, I would probably, uh, being a bit boring, agreeing with Canada, but yeah, for me, they weren't really on my radar Um Maybe a little bit naively. Um, So I I think, yeah, they probably surprised me the most. And I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what this team is going to bring in the future. But yeah, all in all, a very good Olympic Games um, and a nice warm up to see some of those teams. Obviously, not all of them will be competing at um, the Euros, but nice to see some of the teams competing that we will be seeing next summer. now, of course, whilst the Olympics were happening, um, there has been a lot of movement in the transfer window. We did have a break with the podcast, so there are some transfers that we've not really discussed, so I thought we could have a chat about some of the biggest talking points. Now, we'll start off in Spain, um, and one of the big moves, which does seem like a lifetime ago now, um, and again, apologies for butchering anybody's name, but Kira Hamrowi I'm going with. Um, now, we have spoken about her before on the podcast, um, and that she could be heading back to PSG which is exactly where she has gone on a two-year deal uh, from Barcelona. She has of course featured for PSG before and for Lyon. Um, AJ she hasn't had a call up to the French national team since April 2019 so what do you make of this move and do you also think that maybe a move back to France in the back of her mind could maybe change things when it comes to the national team?
2: Um, I think so. Um, ultimately she's just come back come from winning everything and in an unprecedented fashion um as she has at Barcelona. So her coming to PSG, um the French league is seen uh, higher up in terms of competitiveness than the Spanish league, um and she's expected to win. Um, just as she was at Barcelona in this new PSG side. Um, So I feel like if she's able to cement a place in this PSG squad, um, it's only a matter of time that she'll um, get back into the national team um, with the likes of Carly Denza at Everton now. If she doesn't have the best season, I feel like her position in particular could be up for grabs.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's a good shout, actually. Um, I mean, talking about Barcelona... um... Obviously, they have seen one or two names, Um, obviously the name I've just mentioned that I butchered. Um, We've got um, Vicky Lozada, who headed to Manchester City, of course, Carla Armengol to Deportivo, Leo Colina to Milan. Um, But they have, um, at the time of recording anyway, brought in Irene Paredes from PSG. Um, Rolfo and again apologies for saying this name wrong but Sir Stad Engen from Wolfsburg. Barcelona still have the likes of Jennifer Amoso, um, Caroline Hansen etc Ollie, what do you make of their business so far and I'm sure that you know Barcelona fans maybe of the men's team are in absolute meltdown at the moment but do you think that <laughs> at least the fans of the women's team, do you think they've got anything to worry about ahead of this new season?
1: Um No, I don't think they've got anything to worry about domestically, uh, if that's what you're asking me. I think when you look look at how well they did last year, I think it's going to be hard for teams to challenge them, despite the fact that they've lost some players. I mean, we've just touched on uh, Hamraoui there, and I think that she is a big loss. I thought she was absolutely outstanding in the Champions League final, and uh, that's a big signing for PSG in my eyes. But then you look at who's sort of gone the other way, and they've brought in... um, Paredes as you say and uh, I think she's a great signing as well obviously led PSG to their first uh, league title in 15 years or so I think uh, last year and she obviously brings bags of experience and the fact that she's Spanish as well when there's played in the Spanish league before I think is going to account for a lot I think it means she's going to adapt very quickly to that Barcelona team and sort of hit the ground running And, obviously, you've touched on the likes of Rolfo coming in as well. uh, Fantastic players. So, I think that Barcelona even though they've lost a few they brought in some some names that are just as good as well and uh i think they're going to be pretty pretty hard to beat in the spanish league this year that's for sure
0: 100 percent, it will not be easy and like i say despite issues when it comes to signing players with the men at least the women are doing all right um <laughs> of course looking at their rivals real madrid they have also been very very busy they've brought in about seven players um five have gone one of which being um Sophia Jacobson to Bayern Munich, which we'll talk about in a second. But AJ, looking at who Real Madrid have brought in, um, are there any arrivals that you were uh, quite excited about?
2: I feel like there's only one answer for this one. It has to be Esther Gonzalez from Levante. Um, She scored 29 goals last season, um, which is anyone who's coming into a side with 29 goals is amazing. So I feel like she's definitely the one who a lot of neutral's uh, Real Madrid fans, spectators, anybody will be looking to see how she performs in order to bring any success towards Real Madrid this season.
0: Yeah definitely I mean it's such a massive signing, massive massive move from Real Madrid um, to, to get that player. I've not managed to speak to Alejandro who is our Real Madrid fan who is on the podcast, once he's back off holiday, I cannot wait to hear what he's got to say, because I feel like we may have tears of joy. Um, now, uh, obviously, touching on uh, Jacobson, who made the move to buy Munich. Ollie what did you make of her departure? Because I feel like it was, um, there were a lot of rumours before it actually happened anyway. Um, it seemed like the writing was on the wall.
1: Yeah, I think you've touched on it there. I think a lot of people sort of had anticipated her leaving and obviously to some extent it's a big loss. Uh, she brings loads of experience to that team. We've obviously seen sort of the role that she can play um, or we saw the role that she played for Sweden in the Olympics. But... Um, like it's already been said, I think Madrid have strengthened quite considerably this window. AJ touched on it, the, uh, the arrival of Gonzalez is just an absolutely massive signing. So I think overall, obviously, to some extent, they'll be disappointed to lose. her, But I think they're much stronger than they were last year still
0: definitely and it's uh it will be really exciting to see uh how Real Madrid uh do because I do, I personally wasn't expecting them to finish as high up the table as they did Um so it would be interesting to see uh if they if they can stay in that top three I'm pretty sure that they will um but yeah very exciting and you know of course the teams that we're used to seeing in that top three is Levante and Atletico Madrid they both you know have lost a few players um Neither team had the season that I think they were hoping for. Although, you know, props to Levante because they did still finish in the top three. Um, But AJ, are you concerned about either of these teams looking at the business they maybe have or haven't done so far?
2: At the moment, out of the two teams, um, I'm more concerned about Levante. Um, Losing Esther Gonzalez and the goals that she brings to the team is going to impact them massively, I think. Um, They conceded the most goals out of the teams around them. Um, And losing the goals from Gonzalez as well, I feel like they will not struggle, but um, they'll have to be at their very best to repeat the season they've just had.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, And, you know, you've got to think, who do they have? that can replace that amount of goals because they you know Gonzalez scored so many amazing goals but they still only finished third so they're going to need even more goals and it's oh yeah it's a little bit a little bit worrying um but I guess we'll have to wait and see if they do um any more business um but yeah have there been any other transfers in Spain that you want our listeners to know about any ones to watch that I may have missed it doesn't matter if there's not by the
1: way yeah. <laughs> oh, I, think you've t- I think you've touched on most of them, Angelina, to be fair. But uh, just mm-hmm. a, a quick word on uh, Fridolina Rolfo. I mean, I mentioned her briefly already, but just another great signing by the looks of it for, for Barcelona. And I think the only real question is how on earth she's actually going to get into that team because they've got so much firepower up front already. Um, they've just sort of added that now and um, made themselves even stronger. So, yeah, no, she looks to be another another good signing.
0: Yes definitely um, very impressive uh, some of the business that has, has been going on in Spain Um we'll head over to Italy I wish I was heading to Italy but alas I'm not <laughs> um, and it's been very busy in Italy as well um, and one team that I wanted to talk about was Empoli I mean they're very much a middle of the table team, but they've brought in over 10 players, losing only four, and they've been very busy with their loans. So they've brought in on loan um, Asia Bra- Bragonzi, Ludovica Silvione, Margarita Brissick, Melissa Bellucci from Juventus. The latter two had their loans extended. Sarah Tambroini from Milan on loan. And when I looked at some of these. Players. I mean, when you just look at the amount of names on paper, you think, oh, wow, good business. They've brought in quite a few players. Mixture of, you know, bringing people in on loan, purchases, etc. However, when you actually look into the players that they've brought in, a lot of these players are quite young and you could argue maybe a little bit inexperienced. So looking at this, Ollie, do you think that we could finally see this team maybe competing closer to the top of the table? Or do you think that in order to do that, they need to be investing in some more experienced names first, especially when you look at the age of the the players that were playing last season, you know, all quite a lot of players in their early 20s, really. So do you think that we need more experience in this team before we can consider competing at the top?
1: I, I think for me, it's about finding that balance balance because Obviously, I think the team would love to add some more experienced names, but at the same time, the more experience you've got, the more that player is likely to cost. And I mean, I don't know how much money Empley have and how many of these experienced players they actually would be able to afford. So in that sense, I can sort of understand their sort of transfer policy at the moment of trying to bring in all these youngsters and building towards the future. But like you say, there comes a point where maybe perhaps that team is, too young and you do need some experienced faces in there um so i'm not sure time will tell but i think in terms of sort of seeing them compete closer to the top i think the teams at the top of that league are sort of still quite considerably ahead of them at the moment and it's going to be a case of maybe building towards the future and in a couple of years time we might see them sort of climbing that league a bit more
0: yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, fingers crossed, because I I love a bit of uh, any teams that can kind of build up to add a bit more competitiveness, so long as it's not in my league. <laughs> um, I mean, um, you know, talking now about Inter Milan, I'm sure that fans of the men's team may be up in arms. There may be tears about a certain Romelu Lukaku. Um, but, you know, regarding the women's team, they've brought in an array of players in pretty much every area of the pitch. And again, this has been a good mix of experienced players and youngsters from what I've seen personally a j do you think that finally you know since we've seen both Milan teams come into Syria, we've seen a c Milan you know really propel themselves. We've not seen that with inter Do you think that maybe now we finally might be
2: maybe um <laughs> I feel like it's definitely something that seems more positive than negative um And Inter fans can definitely look forward towards um, how they get on this season. I think the only concern for me is um, when you do get a load of players at one time, there's always a question of whether they will bed in straight away Mm. um, or whether it will take them a few games to get going. And then are they already too far behind to catch up and so on and so forth. So I feel like that's the only concern I have going forward um, with Inter and all these signings. But it's definitely more of a positive than it is a negative.
0: Most definitely. Um, Now looking at um, Juventus in Turin, and it's been been pretty quiet. Only four signings, two of which actually being goalkeepers. Um, Oli, looking at that Juventus team, um, you know they had a brilliant season last season. But do you think that they should maybe be cautious? um, You know. Because similar to what we've seen with, you know, Leon in France dominating, you know, for such a period of time, but, you know, you can't stay at the top forever. Do you, do you get this kind of feeling with Juventus maybe that they need to be, you know, over the next season or two keeping their eye on things?
1: Uh, not quite yet. Maybe next season. I mm. think this season, I think they've still got the very best squad. Oh, they've still got the best squad in the league. I mean, you've touched on sort of comparing them to Leon there. And I think when you look at those cases, it took PSG the best part of a decade to finally catch them up. So I think the teams behind Juventus still have a bit of catching up to do. I mean, Juventus won the league by 15 points last year, I think. So ultimately, I mean... You said as well, they haven't really brought in that many faces this year. I mean, it might be sort of in their best interest to look at bringing in a few more youngsters so they can continue to build themselves. But at the moment, I think they are still clearly the best team in Italy. Uh, And while hopefully, there'll be other sides that catch them up eventually. I I don't think it's going to be this season.
0: Yeah, I mean, AC Milan were not quite hot on their heels, like you say, 15 points behind them. Um, AJ, looking at some of the business that AC Milan have done, um, does it give you any hope that they will at least begin to close that gap this season?
2: Um, Touching on what Ollie had said about um, Juventus being the best team in the league still, quite clearly, I feel like At this moment in time, like you said, for another season at least, the gap's not going to close. Maybe by a point or so, a point or three, maybe a win or draw here or there might close it a little bit, but I can't see them getting any closer than that, to be honest. Um, Maybe the season after as they start to build up momentum, um, and if Juventus don't um, invest more into the team and bring some younger players like Ali touched on, um, for now, I feel like Juventus are still going to be comfortable in the league.
0: Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with you both. I feel like it's definitely coming, as we've seen in France, but I just think it's going to take a little bit longer and I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens next season. But I guess, yeah, I think Juventus will probably be sitting comfortable for at least next season. Um, But, I mean, one league that is definitely going to be interesting is, of course, the Women's Super League. There is a lot to talk about. Let's kick things off with Arsenal. Um. And it has been two weeks now since they revealed their new manager. Um, again, apologies if I'm saying his name wrong, but we have got Jonas Eideval. Have I said that correctly? Um, anyway, he, of course, um, was coaching Rosengard. He got them to the quarterfinals of the Champions League last season. Ollie, have Arsenal picked the right man for the job?
1: I mean, it's obviously very, very hard to say at this point. But right now, do I think he's a good choice? Uh, Yes, I do, I think. I can only go by the fairly limited amount of what I've seen from him. But like you said, um, Rosengard obviously did pretty well in Europe last year. They put up a very good fight against Bayern as well. Um, And from what I've seen, he gets his teams playing good football, uh, Arsenal have obviously started pre-season or had a pretty good pre-season as well and um, um... But at the same time, I think the toughest part will be replacing Montemuro just because he was such an idolised and adored figure within that Arsenal team. Uh, You look at what the coaches and the players said about him and he was so well-respected. So for a new manager to just come in immediately and uh, get the team playing the same way is going to be difficult. But uh, right now, I think think he looks a pretty good choice.
0: I mean, Oli looking at the you know the two friendlies that were also London derbies um for whatever reason you know whatever but um you know I don't really think of London derbies as friendlies but you know it's fine um obviously they did beat um Chelsea and Spurs um do you think that Arsenal fans are allowed to you know be celebrating that win over Chelsea and getting a little bit excited about it
1: Yeah, I think they're certainly allowed to be optimistic about it, especially when you consider the gap between Arsenal and Chelsea the past couple of years. uh, Chelsea have been sort of streets ahead of them. So for Arsenal to put in a performance like that um, is obviously pleasing to see. But at the same time, it's definitely important for the fans not to get too far ahead of themselves. It is obviously (laughs) only a friendly, you can never really read that much into them. Uh, And obviously, you know, there was some disappointment or some unfortunate things that happened in that Chelsea game as well. Um, Jordan Nobbs's injury, which I'm sure we'll touch on in a minute. But, yeah, I mean, you let, let them enjoy it for now. It's probably not going to last, is it?
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> I <laughs> don't want to be too salty. Um, but, yeah, um, I mean... Um with the announcement of the new manager there has also been you know some good news in that arsenal have stated that they will be increasing investment there will be matches at the emirates a new home for the team etc then obviously there was the terrible news about Jordan Nobbs in the Chelsea game. She suffered what they've described as an injury to the ligaments of her right ankle. It's going to be um, under review um, and maybe we'll get a little bit more news about that. Um, AJ, uh, just to get your thoughts on that news that Arsenal have announced. And of course, you know, fingers crossed that Jordan Nobbs isn't out for too long, but, you know, she's going to be a big loss if she is, isn't she?
2: Yeah, anything to do with ligaments tends to be a sizable um, period of um... Absence. Hopefully, that's not the case for Arsenal. And um, as we all know, Jordan Nobbs is a great player for Arsenal. She's very influential on and off the pitch. Um, she's a very big, big game player as well. Um, so replacing her, especially with some of the losses Arsenal's had over the transfer window, um, it's going to be hard to. It's going to be a hard period of time when she's not in the side um so hopefully Arsenal can find some sort of remedy while she's out um but hopefully she isn't that serious and she can come back sooner rather than later
0: yes fingers crossed um I mean nobody wants to see um you know a, a talented player out and let's hope that we do get some more news on it um but yeah I mean you know looking at Arsenal um across the board really you know they've Two derby friendlies, you know, have have been good. They've got their new manager, etc. Ollie, what have you made of uh, their transfer business so far?
1: Yeah, so they've had an interesting summer, really, haven't they? Because I think on the one hand, losing players like Van der Donk is obviously massive. I think she was an integral part of that team and has been so good for them in recent seasons. But at the same time, when I saw that sign the key to Paris, I thought, wow, what a signing that is. Because if you think back, I mean, she was the top scorer, the the all-time top scorer in the WSL before she actually left for Lyon. And actually, even though Lyon had a pretty dismal season last year, I think Paris herself actually put up pretty good numbers and did quite well um she's obviously had some injury problems and didn't seem to feature that much at the Olympics but I think obviously with her experience in the WSL and having played there before I think she'll come straight back and hit the ground running so overall I think they've had uh you know a a mixed window but I think the signing of Paris is massive
0: yeah it really is when I saw that news come through it was uh I was very happy for, for Arsenal fans and very envious. Um, now, of course, their London rivals Chelsea did get their player, my player, <laughs> Manchester United's Lauren James, AJ. It's it's a great move for the player, isn't it? And I mean, it definitely makes sense, you know, to be back in London um, playing for a club that she clearly, you know, has a lot of love for. Obviously, her brother plays there as well. You know, it's a it's a good fit for her, isn't it?
2: Yeah, um this is the worst kept transfer I think in hundred <laughs> percent but um I feel like we're looking at Chelsea's new poster girl at the moment. Um English, young, very technical on the ball. Angelina knows all of this already, but um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great signing for Chelsea. Um I'm excited to see how Emma Hayes uses her this season. Um I don't know if she's going to start every game. Um, it'll be nice to see if she does. But how she develops in this Chelsea side with the players that they have already, um, gaining that experience and stuff, and then being able to take that into the England side as well, um, I feel like it's a great move for her and for Chelsea as well.
0: It really is. Um, and I'm trying not to be better about it. I am devastated, <laughs> but I can't be mad at her. I just can't be mad at her. I think it's just... Uh you know, she holds quite a few records with Manchester United. Um, so yeah, it, it's sad, but um, yeah, who who knows, maybe she'll come back one day, trying to delude myself into thinking. <laughs> now, of course, you know, like I say, she's departed from Manchester United alongside eight other players, standard, Um, the club have finally, after about five years, announced a new manager in Mark Skinner. He's joining from Orlando Pride. Um, Ollie, what do you make of um, the manager that Manchester United have finally selected? I mean, to be honest, there weren't even many rumours. I mean, I don't want to throw shade on my club, but at one point I was concerned if they were even interviewing for the position because it didn't seem like there were any rumours, any discussions and then all of a sudden he's just popped up. What do you make of this one?
1: Yeah, I I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Angelina, when you say that there weren't really many people queuing up for that role, I don't think. Mm. Uh, And they didn't seem to be interviewing many people for it, I think, especially given some of the problems that Manchester United have had uh, in recent seasons and you sort of... Oh, we know sort of first hand of the problems that they've had um, it'll be a tough job for anyone but at the same time uh, I think that it is a good appointment from them uh, I think uh, if you think about it if you think back to when he was manager of Birmingham he completely revolutionised their style of play uh, did a very, very good job with them. I know he sort of started off quite badly when he was at Orlando, but managed to sort of change their fortunes around as well. So, overall, I think given the circumstances, given the problems they had with sort of finding a replacement, I think he's a solid appointment.
0: Yeah, I mean, when I saw his name, um, I did feel quite, um, quite relieved to be honest. Um, and you know, especially, you know, in our last podcast, we actually spoke to Orlando Prides, uh, Kylie Strom, who's just made the move and, um, you know, some of the absolute legends at that club that he, of course, will have been working with. Um, I don't know why that makes me feel better, but it does. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've just really got my fingers crossed that this works out um, and that the club, you know, are working on, you know, in, improving things, I would really like to hope. Um, Man United now actually have some sun, summer signings, including uh, Martha Thomas from West Ham, Hannah Blundell from Chelsea, uh, Vilda Burrita from Sandviken, um, Ethan Manion from Manchester City. Um, AJ, uh, can I just get your thoughts on the business that Manchester United have been doing this summer? Do you feel like, the way things have gone with the way that Casey Stoney left, the rumours that were circulating, the fact that they didn't appoint somebody for a while, do you think that this may have costed them some signings? Um, and also, do you think that this team can realistically keep up with the top three?
2: Um, if I'm not on the show again, then this answer would be the reason why. <laughs> I'm really worried about Manchester United this Oh, moment. me too,
0: 100%. <laughs> um,
2: I feel like they've dropped down the pecking order in terms of uh, what they've done this transfer window. Their manager is a good signing, 100%, um, as Ollie touched on.
0: Just about a but, month too late, to be honest.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they haven't replaced the, the big names they had last season either, mm. I don't think. Um, so I feel like um, there's a lot of teams, like Reading, for example, they've done good business. Everton, as I'm sure we'll touch on later. Um, and there's a few more clubs um, that I'm not going to mention just yet, in case I end up with egg on my face. That I feel like <laughs> will, will perform better than Manchester United this season. So mm. um, I feel like it's going to be a tough season for them. I don't think it's all doom and gloom, but I just think there's um, they're playing catch up at the moment. Like you said, they're a month behind everyone else. I think.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree. I think that. Um, for for some people it's going to be a very humbling, um humbling season because I think a lot of people have um, you know, seen how well Man United have done in in a short space of time and thought that we were, you know, the world's greatest. And you know what? I think it's kind of hitting home to some people that this is not as easy as it maybe looked at first. You know, you can't just rock up with a team and just expect to win everything, you know, it takes a lot of of hard work that this team has really got to prepare for. Um and I mean AJ, you touched on Everton there. Um, you know, they've made some really good signings. Um Ollie, what do you make of the the business that they've done? Because for for me personally, I see them, you know, leapfrogging Manchester United.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And uh I mean we've already spoken about it there, but I just don't think Man United have any chance of realistically keeping up with the the top three this season. I think that missing out on the Champions League last year was absolutely massive because it just means they're not able to attract uh, as many big names as they would have wanted and a lot of the top stars that were there then wanted to leave because they would have wanted Champions League football Um, and it was just huge and when you consider that the teams in front of them, Arsenal, City and Chelsea have all got stronger as well, um, I think that makes the gap even bigger, I mean Arsenal have brought in Paris, City have brought in Sure, Chelsea have brought in James and I think that gap is just massive and just touching on Everton like you say they've sort of gone about their business very well this summer, they've brought in some some big names, uh, they've obviously brought in Tony Duggan and I agree, I think that actually when you look at both squads on paper Everton's squad is clearly stronger than United's at the moment and sort of, I think United are going to be doing battle with them and some of the other teams even that this season, rather than challenging for a, for a Champions League spot,
0: I agree. I mean, what would you agree as well, AJ? What do you make of, of Everton? Because they've they've been doing well, haven't they?
2: Yes, they have. Like just following Oli's sentiments, I think the the biggest thing about Everton as well is they've been they've been able to keep their uh, biggest players or their most important players too. Um, so they're really building a squad that um, can compete towards getting in that in and around that top three, because obviously the top three speak for themselves. Um, but this has really given them the platform to push on, um, so to speak. So it is uh, interesting to see how well Everton do this season. I'm, I'm expecting big things from them.
0: Me too. Um, and finally, any other signings from the Women's Super League that you would like to call to the uh, listeners' attention, guys?
1: I think you've touched on most of them there, oh, Angelina. Uh, <laughs> So not from I've, me. I've
2: got two. Go um, for it. Minor sort of bias, but uh, the players do speak for themselves as well. So my first one's at Leicester, um, Gemma Perfield. Um, she performed really well at Bristol towards the end of the season um, under Matt Beard. Although Bristol's record defensively isn't something that uh, is very positive. Yeah. But she did stand out. She did stand out a lot in um, that team. Um, And joining Leicester, who did need another left back in their ranks, their first season in the WSL, Um, having someone like her who's experienced and can perform at that level is definitely something, someone to look out for. I was really impressed with that one. And second, uh, Jay Pennock, who's just signed for Birmingham City, um, she left Sheffield as their top goal scorer, top assistor. Uh, record record for both of them um, like one of the best players in that league um, at least top three players in that league um, at the time when she moved so it was a really good signing by Birmingham um, and I know she's looking to push on a lot in the WSL with a lot to prove and um, a lot of people to prove wrong kind of thing so I expect to see a very good season from her also as well in um, a resurgent Birmingham side Um, to say the least
0: Yes definitely and I'm glad that you touched on Leicester, I'm sure that as um, we get closer to the new season we will be talking about them because another team that's been making some really good moves and I'm excited to see what they bring to the table but um, for now we shall leave it there Um, and thanks to both of you for joining me I'm sure we'll both get you back on um, as we get closer to the new season Um, and hopefully we'll have some more interesting transfers to talk about preferably Manchester United ones thank you (laughs)
1: thanks for having us on Yeah, thanks for having us. I'll keep my fingers crossed
0: for you. So that is it for this week's Women's Football Podcast. As always, a big thank you to my guests, Ollie and AJ. And to all of you for listening. If you do want to get in touch, it is podcast at onefootball.com. And don't forget to head over to Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Music, etc. to listen to more from One Football.